Well, hey there. Welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking all things pelvic floor and hip related. I am super excited about this topic because as a trainer and working with clients and being online, I feel like these two areas are so confusing and so complex and can be very discouraging when we're having pain in them. And my guest today, Dr. Jessica Warnicke, is going to break them both down and explain how interconnected and related they are. I have actually followed Jessica on Instagram for a long time because she is so clear in the way that she communicates issues with the hip and low back and pelvic floor. And a couple of months ago, I actually asked her to be a contributor into the expert section on the app I'm coming out with. I know I've mentioned that I'm working on an app and we have an entire section where we are bringing in outside experts on different topics to break them down in simplified videos for people to understand. And I knew I wanted Jessica to cover hips in detail and how it is connected to the lower back and how it can even be connected to the pelvic floor and the knee. Dr. Jessica Warnicke is focused on helping health-conscious women feel strong and stay healthy throughout each stage of their life. As an orthopedic and pelvic floor physical therapist and founder of Pace Physical Therapy, Jessica brings a wide variety of treatment interventions and utilizes a full body approach to understand, examine, and assist her patients to complete recovery. Jessica focuses on finding the root cause of dysfunction to heal the source of the patient's concerns rather than simply treating the symptoms. And you're going to see that today, how she connects the symptom with the kinetic chain, with the nervous system, with our feelings, and so much more, and how it really is all connected. Because of her own journey with chronic hip pain and pelvic floor dysfunction, Jessica focuses a lot of her work on teaching her patients how to truly tune into their body and recognize what their symptoms may be really saying and feel empowered to use the tools to help them heal. And truly, you are going to love her. And I'm so excited for her to share some information on this complex subject and to honestly even share so much more information and very simple digestible videos in the app in the education section with all of the other amazing experts. But she is going to be a go-to for you for HIP. And if you find this episode helpful, don't forget to share it with your friends and family or let me know by writing a review wherever you listen. Today, I want to give a shout out to PJammer49, so, so educational. Fascinating podcast with a must for all women, especially moms who want to learn more about women's health when it comes to fitness and nutrition. Andrea does her research, so it leaves you feeling empowered and informed. Thank you so much, PJammer49, for the review. I am truly here for you. I don't know everything. I I truly don't, and I will never pretend I do. But what I do know is I can research to teach you, and I can bring experts on to teach you in subjects that I am not the main source. And that is what I even wanted to do today with Jessica, to take you up another notch to talk about some of the things that we experience with our hip and signs and symptoms and other things to be aware of as we talk about this today. She's also going to give a couple of videos to help teach some of the concepts we talk about. I will add them in the show notes. And on the podcast page, I will also add some information from this episode, some videos or some audio so that you can remember some of the things that we pointed out. That podcast page is make.it.simple.podcast, and that's on Instagram. Again, make.it dot simple dot podcast. And if you have a guest that you want me to have on, go to the show notes and click on the button where you can enter a topic and you can also enter a guest that you want me to have on. And that will be labeled just the make it simple podcast guests and topics in the show notes. 
All right, let's get into it. But just before we do, I want to point out that getting a set of cozy sheets might be very effective for you, especially if you sleep at different temperatures than your spouse. Cozy Earth is the best-selling bamboo sheets and is temperature-regulating and incredibly soft. It was on Oprah's Favorite Things list in 2018. It has a killer warranty, and it is so comfortable. They have bedding, pajamas, linens, all kinds of things. But I know for me, I tend to sleep a little cooler than my husband, so it kind of helps you regulate that with the bamboo sheets so everybody can sleep a little bit better. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer to my listeners today up to 40% off site-wide if you use the code SIMPLE40. Again, that's 40%. Just use the code SIMPLE40. And I promise you won't regret these solid, amazing pair of bamboo sheets. All right, let's get into it and talk all things hip and pelvic floor. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. Hey, Jessica, I am super excited to have you on. I'm not going to lie. This has been a long time coming for me because I followed you for a really long time. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat and just like dive in, finally getting this on the calendar and getting to chat with you. I know. So we've been talking about the app expert videos, and you're doing videos on hips and low back and all these things, and I thought... I need her on the podcast to talk about some of these topics and break them down even in more detail because I don't think I know very many women who don't struggle with hip pain or back pain or pelvic issues. And it's just all connected, which you know. Yes, absolutely. And I think to part of my, you know, journey obviously is stemming from my own personal experiences and which let's be honest, those are the best journeys because that's when it's like deep in people's soul and they're like, I need to teach you this. <laughs> exactly. And then like being able to be aware of how prevalent it really is, it's like, oh wow, this is actually a thing. It opened your eyes and really teaches you what empathy is. Like I understand it's like that with say recta. I understand what that mom feels like because I have felt that way. So you get that even on a level from a doctor. You're like, oh, I've been there and now I'm a doctor and I teach it, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So powerful. So tell us a little bit more about your background. Yes. So I've been in this PT industry now almost a decade. I, you know, typical kiddo grew up playing just plenty of sports, loved exercise, loved moving my body. And I was also really interested in medicine and in understanding the biology of the human body and the movement patterns. And so physical therapy was just the best combination of like exercise, fitness, sports, and medicine. And so dove into it, tried it, you know, a couple of different things early on and really enjoyed the orthopedic world. So orthopedics meaning um, like the the typical like aches and pains, back pain, neck pain, that kind of thing that you think of post-surgery even. And I found myself gravitating, obviously, to more of the athletic population. That was really fun. And it was interesting because I would see so many back pain cases or, you know, recurring hip pain injuries, knee injuries with running. And patients would do better, like 
they would overcome their injury, get back to their thing, but they would either re-injure themselves or they would never fully feel, you know, 100%. And it's like, okay, well, what's good? What's good enough versus what am I just being okay with? And what am I passing by with? Exactly. And so this is like, I mean, I did an orthopedic residency. I dove really into the clinical side and really understanding like all of these specialty courses to be able to support my patients. And coming from that, I was like, okay, well, what's the one area that we just never talk about? And so that kind of opened my eyes to the world of pelvic floor therapy. And it really got me intrigued in just so many different courses and um, correlations between chronic hip pain, chronic back pain, and the pelvic floor. And now, you know, obviously, like I was also going through my own, you know, chronic hip journey. And as I was working to heal myself and understanding the complexity of it, even if I was seeing good PTs, seeing good chiros, I was like, there's something more and there's deeper. And the the best part for me, I think, was the fact that I could take more courses to better understand all the missing links that nobody else could combine and put together in order to better understand my own body and in order to heal my chronic pain and then get me back to not only pain-free, but like squatting a lot, right? Running, jump, like all of these other higher level activities that I wanted to do. And I was just so intrigued by like the science behind it, but also the psychology and all of the different emotions that go into dealing with a chronic pain or just feeling limited when you, your mind wants to do more. And so, you know, now thankfully I have my own business. And so I get to just like focus on these types of situations and help these types of clients. And it's just been so fun and so rewarding. I'd like to say, I feel like having a therapist that actually can handle both is very unique because I've seen pelvic floor doctors and then I have to go to different doctors to see for knees or shoulders or whatever. And then I'm there doing some other things and they say, oh, if you think it's pelvic floor, go to this, go to this doctor. So the fact that you can mold both is actually very, very unique in some ways, because I do feel like there is still kind of a split where they're separate and you're really able to mold both together, which is an amazing talent. And you're going to be able to see the bigger picture more than someone who's just an expert in one or the other. So to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I I would love to see you in person. (laughs) Yes. No. And honestly, like you, you hit the nail on the head like that. It's so, I mean, people, they do their due diligence. And it's right? more appointments. Yeah. I just want to go to one doctor and say, what is going on? <laughs> yes. They're like, okay, well, at least I'm, I'm, this person is helping me a little here and this person is giving me some insight. Yeah. But there just comes a point where you need to bridge the gap, right? We're 100%. only going to get so far. And so it really needs to be on the same page. And I love that you're doing that. So let's get into this a little bit more. There's so many reasons, obviously, that people have hip pain, but what are the most common ones that you see? Ooh, good question. So um, a lot of it, so I primarily work with active women. Um, so just that demographic, um, a lot of times I'll see like the chronic injury is something that was like maybe started like it was, it was a minor thing, right? Not even necessarily like a major injury, but it was just something that was pushed to the side or compensated on over the years. And so it kind of develops and grows on itself and just becomes something that, you know, wakes people up at night or is like really talking to them. So sometimes there's not even one event or one major injury that causes things. And some like other factors such as like having a, a, like a lot of stress or a stressful event, having going through um, childbirth, 
um, going through like an orthopedic type of hip surgery. So like, you know, for um, labral tears or even like knee injuries, right? Having a knee surgery and the rehab focuses just on the muscular, like the knees, the hips, stuff like that. What occurs deeper within those deep hip muscles and those pelvic floor muscles comes out to play an effect in hip stability, core function, things like that. And they're just not addressed in, you know, typical care, typical rehab. And so they'll present later on. Um, And then sometimes too, it's just with really active women, right? We do a lot with our bodies. And so compensation patterns develop and, you know, it's, it's typically one side is that recurring side of re-injury or, you know, tweaking something over and over. And eventually it just kind of, like I said, keeps building on itself. So um, that, those types of things I honestly see way more often than like a slip and a fall or like a more of a traumatic incident, but obviously other factors can be, you know, labral tears, um, you know, tightnesses or weaknesses, you know, having an impingement because of the anatomy of the body. And also two things like within our muscles and our pelvic floor, if, if hormones are changing, whether it's during something like pregnancy or something like perimenopause or menopause, those factors can also predispose some of my clients to notice more stiffness or, or pain within their hip itself as well. So when most people come in, obviously they have tears, impingements. Do a lot of people complain about hip flexors or do they feel like it's more deeper issues? Or I guess it just varies across the board. Yeah. Um, hip flex, like chronic hip flexor tightness is a really yeah. common one. Deep hip pain, like deep glute pain or even hamstring pain, like under the sits bones is another really, really common one. Um, And then like groin pain, like some people they're like, well, I have pain in four different places depending on the day. And sometimes it's the outside, sometimes it's the inside. And so that again, it cues us into the importance of making sure that we're assessing everything dynamically and not just focusing on certain structures or certain muscles. And if you ever look at the diagram of a hip, you'll see how many ligaments and muscles and everything connect. It's like even the inner thighs, people don't realize like, oh, leakage, that's affected by inner thighs. Squats are affected by inner thighs. So many things that they don't think about. They're just like, oh, I want inner thighs. (laughs) realize it's it's all stability, like you said, and then it's a kinetic chain situation in many situations. So let's talk a little bit about the connection between chronic pain and stiffness and the pelvic floor and what we can do about that. Because obviously there's going to be tight muscles, there's going to be impingements, there's going to be different things, but what are things that we can assess and notice ourselves and then connect that with our pelvic floor? Yes. The pe- pelvic floor, give, it's such a, a host of so much valuable information, right? And so um, just from an anatomy standpoint, like the deepest, so our pelvic floor has three layers of muscles and that deepest layer, um, shares muscle fibers and muscles with the deep hip rotators. So obturator internus is a very commonly, um, affected area that we need to incorporate into a lot of the, the chronic pain recovery. Um, but you know, there's other hip, deep hip rotators, even piriformis, and even just more than the muscles themselves, the timing and the way the muscles within the pel- pelvis and pelvic floor coordinate and activate in reg- in relation to the other bigger hip muscles like the piriformis, the glutes, the adductors, you know, obviously so as iliacus, like those guys all have to be in a harmonious relationship where things are timed at the right time, working through the right motion, built up with an, enough endurance so that they can do their job and the other muscles don't have to pick up the slack. So just from a musculoskeletal standpoint, the fact that the pelvic floor and the hips share the same muscles is really huge and something that we never learn in school. Like 
literally it takes all like it took me so many years to understand the value of these deeper hip muscles. I'm like, why don't we talk about this? Um, but I think that's really helpful for people to be aware of because it can be affected even if you don't go through childbirth or you don't on paper have pelvic floor issues. That doesn't necessarily mean that these muscles aren't involved. Um, and then on the flip side, there's also just other factors or other functions of the pelvic floor, like circulation, lymph drainage, um, supporting our, our sexual organ or supporting our organs and helping with sexual function and just what our nervous system does throughout that area, how we hold on to emotions or, um, you know, traumas and things like that. Our pelvic floor just holds on to so much of that. And it's hard for us to always be aware of it because we can't see it and we can't really physically feel it or stretch it. And so it's just an area of the body that it's easy to ignore and overlook for, for so many reasons. So how would someone go if they can't, let's say they can't get into a PT and they're having pain, like what, what would you give them signs or symptoms or things to be aware of? Like it could be this, anything they could do on their own or, you know, until they could get in with a PT, like any ideas for them? Yeah. I mean, obviously it, it depends on a number of factors. Yes. In general, if there's pain, especially if there's pain with things like um, ex- like sustained setting. So like their tailbone bothers them or their sits bones bother them, or they have pain trying to use tampons or with intercourse. Oftentimes that pain can signify that the muscles are too tight. So they're shortened and they're not, you know, able to expand and, and contract the way we want them to. And, or they might be guarding. So if people have a past like trauma or injury, whether it's like physical or mental or emotional, um, th- that type of stimulus to the nervous system can also cause yes. those muscles to just guard up and try to protect so that nothing enters or leaves that area. Um, and so with that type of trigger or symptom, diaphragmatic breathing, really getting some good expansion into the pelvic floor, into the low back can be huge. Um, there's a couple of really good yoga poses that help open up the pelvic floor that can be helpful as is, you know, like hip mobility and low back mobility. Can you give us a couple examples of a few of those? Yeah. So, um, like if somebody can, from a hip standpoint can tolerate a primal squat, like just sinking deep into the hips, even if they need to like sit on a roller or sit on a yoga block, I really, really love that position for the pelvic floor. And then adding some deep breathing where on the inhales, you're literally trying to breathe into the pelvis and expand like your sits bones apart. Like I absolutely love that for pain. Um, So that's a really, really helpful one. Whether you're seeing a PT or not, like it it can help very quickly. That's actually one I've worked on. And I do have a question for you. I sometimes I can't because I do have some hip issues and I sometimes can't sit into it. So I will wrap a band around for me, it's around a rogue rack, but if you had an island or whatever, because it helps me to not fold forward mm-hmm. and I can kind of sit back into it and I feel like the gravity helps me get a little bit lower. Is that still effective or should I do it on the yoga block? Because I feel like I get a better range of motion when I almost mm-hmm. do it that way that lets gravity almost push me down, but my posture is good because I'm holding the band out in front of me to like help me sit up and not roll forward. Yeah, no, that's great. Honestly, the main goal with that one is you want to feel like you're able to relax and lengthen okay, rather than like guarding and you're trying to stabilize to keep you upright, right? So the way you have it set up, it's great. Use the arms. Yeah, if I was just balancing, you're right. Nothing would be working right and yeah. everything would be tense. But the band helps me just relax into it because I don't have to worry about 
my weight. So, okay, sorry to interrupt you. Let's do a, a couple yes, more ideas. Yeah. So <laughs> another really good one, I like child's pose in a couple of different positions. So if you're in typical child's pose with like your feet together, your knees apart, and of course, adding in that breathing into the low back, that can be really helpful for pain more in the front part of your pelvis. If you're somebody that can tolerate, instead of having your feet together in child's pose, you separate your feet. So your knees are coming together a little bit, and then you're sinking back towards your feet, but your feet are separated. That helps open up the muscles around the tailbone and the sits bones and the backside of the pelvic floor. So that's a great position if somebody has tailbone pain to work through the breath sequence just to help open and expand that. And then of course, things like happy baby and whatnot are just there's so many ways to modify it to fit what your body can get comfortable with, which is awesome because we want you to feel relaxed. We don't want the the stretch or the position to feel like it's challenging, painful, or just a big effort for the rest of your body. We want you really to relax and just calm down so that you can breathe in and relax and open up that pelvic floor. Ironically, I just filmed a tight pelvic floor video and I did a child's pose and I like to support it with a mm-hmm. pillow, but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to turn my knees out. Next time, you know, I I filmed it for this coming week, but I'm like, I'm going to turn my knees in and my feet yeah. out and see how that feels. That's a nice variation. Yes. I really love that one, especially for people who, um, like if they, they sit all day for work and they're like, you know, I, I can only do so much. I have to be here. I'm like, get on the floor, do a couple of reps of this. It just helps reset you a little bit. And also too, like people that have um, pain at, like at the top of their hamstrings. Like I work with a lot of runners. So if people have like that hamstring strain or that hamstring irritation, this can also help it too, because it kind of just helps stretch and open up all of those muscles around where the hamstring inserts as well. So from a relaxation standpoint, if from a pain standpoint, those are some of the guidelines that I start with. Then on the flip side, obviously, if somebody is having a lot of, um, let's say leaking or bowel limitations, we also, we can have the cause be because things are too tight. We can also have the cause be that things are just too weak and we can't activate it and, you know, from a motor control standpoint, coordinate what we need to do. And so that's where I think just getting guidance from a a PT skilled in that type of treatment is really, really helpful because it doesn't have to take a whole lot of effort or it doesn't have to take a long time. It just helps to have somebody cue you in the right way that your body can respond to so that you know how to activate those pelvic floor muscles in like by themselves, but also in correlation with everything else that needs to help with something that's more of a weakness based symptom as opposed to a, you know, a pain based symptom. That makes sense. What are the muscles that most often overcompensate when it's weak? Because I know a lot of times after someone has a baby and then they have a weak pelvic floor, which basically just, it's not activating and then it stays for a long time. Are there other muscles that are starting to overcompensate? Obviously we know the lower back, but what other things could people be aware of that possibly in that situation where it's not tight, it's weak, which could cause pain in other areas and they're not recognizing, oh, this is the pelvic floor. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's not connecting. They're thinking it's something else, you know, in the kinetic chain. So with like, if they felt weakness from a core standpoint and they couldn't do something like a Kegel without squeezing their adductors or squeezing their glutes, those are really common compensations. I find people are like, well, I'm doing a Kegel, but literally like they're tightening their thighs or they're like, they're squeezing their butt. Um, so that's a pretty common one. I think other things too, that I, you know, a lot of the moms I work with will start to have like foot or ankle pain and they don't realize they're like, 
I've literally just been walking. I mean, they're probably obviously walking a lot, chasing little kiddos or holding somebody. And they are like, why are my feet hurting? And it's really interesting, the connection, and this can be it for a different day, a conversation, but like the feet and the pelvic floor and the hip are, they're so entwined. And so many people don't understand the connection or the compensations that go on between the two regions. And so that's another really yes. common one I see that I think can be helpful for people to understand. Um, other things too, just like if people start to have pain in their low back or, you know, their knees, oftentimes if like glutes and quads or hip flexors are constantly tight or they're constantly working, we really need to just work on the mobility and the stability above and below the pain points themselves so that the areas that we're feeling pain are just better supported and stabilized dynamically, especially with loading or with exercise. Oh, I love that you said that. First of all, it's good for anyone to know if you're having feet issues and leakage, it could be linked because I don't think everyone realizes that. So that alone is great. And then to point out above and below, the body is all connected. Everything connects. You know, we learned that funny song when we were little, the hip bone connects, (laughs) but like everything is connected. So if you're having chronic knee pain, what is your quad and hamstring doing? And what are, is your calf or feet doing? If you're having hip pain, what, what are your glutes or hamstrings or quads doing? Like recognizing, thinking, where's my pain? And as you pointed out, look underneath and look above, and maybe that can help offset some of that pain because, you know, all of those are connected. Like it's a really common one, as you know, more than anyone, people have low back pain and it's really because the hamstrings are tight and they're pulling, they're pulling on the low back. And then we think, oh, the low back, low back, low back. And it's like, well, it's actually because hamstrings are so tight that they're yanking on the, you know, lower back. So that's such a good point to bring up that you did that. I I really love that. Yeah. And I think too, just kind of, because I know hamstrings and hip flexors are two very like common areas that people are like, I'm just chronically tight here. And for a lot of cases, I think it's helpful for people to understand that chronically tight things are weak things. Okay. And so if we just stretched away, it literally is not going to do anything long-term. Yes. And so I love eccentric loading for those muscle groups. I love dynamic coordination for those muscle groups to literally retrain them into how to support and work with everything else through that full, you know, flexibility through that full range of motion. And, um, I think also too, when people are like, well, I, you know, I do this bridge, but I feel my quads, right? So if there are certain areas of your body where you're trying to work those muscles, but you can't feel those muscles, that's a good indicator that there's just a compensation pattern going on. And so recognize that, yeah. right? And, you know, work through it or, or look for more information on it just so that you're not just going through the motions and not reaping the benefits of the exercise that you're trying to do. I think we do think as a society, like, oh, the, the hip flexors are tight. Just stretch, 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 mm-hmm. stretch, constantly stretching. Yep. But you're saying they're weak. You can stretch all you want, but the pain's not going to go away until you strengthen them and do some loading on them. What are some quick things that people could do, for example, you know, hip flexor tightness besides stretching? As you mentioned, we need more. Yeah. So eccentric strengthening. So eccentric meaning like you're the controlled lengthening of the muscle contraction is amazing. One of my favorite positions to do it is lying down on your back in like the leg 90-90 tabletop position because I love the core stability we get in that position. So I love putting a band around my feet and slowly straightening and lowering a leg and then alternating side. Yes, that's one of my favorites. Yes. Yes. It's just, uh, it's killing so many birds with one stone, right? We get the core stability, we get the loading, we're working both sides. Um, It's typically a pretty safe position, obviously, and there's so many ways that we can make it easier or harder. So that's one of my favorite. It also helps 
for, for a lot of people, having the cue of just like how their trunk feels on the ground is a nice cue so that they know that they're maintaining, you know, good control, good function. So that's one of my favorite ones. But I mean, obviously, you can work it in so many other positions. Um, and I think too, finding a good balance. So like for the hamstrings, right? Like, can you do the eccentric component of a bridge or a leg curl? Can you do like a slow controlled hip hinge or deadlift, right? Like, don't forget the value of the slow lengthening load. Yes. And the other stuff that we do so often in our work. I think we start to load our dumbbells or bars or whatever. And we're like, okay, I'm going to lift this much. And then people, their range of motion shrinks and their speed multiplies so fast. And even as I was lifting for the app, sometimes my husband would say, slow down. He's like, you're lifting fast because I was tired. And that's not effective, mm, yes. you know? And so he, he knew to cue me for that. Cause I, you know, you get tired after a couple hours and he would say, you're moving too fast. And then people copy you, you know? And so I was like, oh yes, yeah, but it's important to remember that, that the muscle is broken down. The muscle works under slow movement. It's not about how fast you can do it because if you're super heavy, your range of motion is low and you're flying through it. You're not going to get the work like you pointed out as if it's slow and controlled. Do you have some videos on some of those as well? I'd love to re- link them in the show notes on hamstrings oh, and yes. hip flexors. Yeah. We'll put them on the show notes so people can see visual cues for that. Yeah. So let's talk next about the nervous system and how that helps connect because obviously we talked about, you know, finding the pain points above and below, slowing things down. What if the pelvic floor is tight? What if it's weak? Kind of some ideas about that. How else can we heal through the nervous system? Yes, the nervous system, it's it's so powerful. Honestly, I, the, more, the more I grow both personally, but also with business and working with clients, the, the impact the nervous system has is, in my opinion, the foundation of almost everything we do because of how it affects the mindset, the hormones, the nerve tissues themselves that are necessary for the muscles to contract and activate. And in our day-to-day life, there's so many stimuli that are, I'll call them stressors to the nervous system, not in a good or bad way. They're just, you know, factors that feed into our day-to-day life. But I think from, especially from a chronic pain injury or from like um, even things like chronic fatigue or, you know, chronic, just like aches and pains, I think it's really important to understand what are we doing for the nervous system? How are we feeling things? So, you know, that can, we can talk about stress itself and the actual cortisol in your body. We can talk about the stress, like the time somebody has been under stress and what that does to the mindset changes or how they view events or like a fear avoidance tendency if they had, you know, back pain from a certain type of movement or exercise, fearing that movement or guarding against that movement and not working through it. Most of that comes from the brain trying to protect us from that future injury. And so we we have to really work to rewire that pathway so that that's not our new normal because we know physically our body can yes. do it, right? So yes. I work a lot with people that have, you know, just they, 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 they're scared to do a deadlift because they've hurt their back doing a deadlift and yes. mobility is fine. Strength is fine. You know, they can, they'll do random things. I'm like, that's essentially a deadlift movement, but you're just not recognizing it. So it's really cool to just kind of play, play with the human psychology and the mindset around certain things like this. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's the other factor where th- like, Sometimes people maybe have tightness or weakness or like a structural 
um, component that might feed into pain itself, like a labral tear, like a hip impingement. But the, the trigger that increases the pain or makes it feel like it's getting worse and worse and worse or traveling to other areas of the body is if they're under a lot of stress like from a job or from home demands or from relationships or whatnot. And so just like the continual elevation of cortisol feeds into the irritability and the intensity that the brain perceives pain receptors of. And so that's another thing where, you know, we could stretch and strengthen all we wanted, but we really have to address the nervous system to kind of take it out of that sympathetic state of fight or flight and bring it back into that more parasympathetic state. So it's a lot more calm. So those are a couple of really important ways, obviously. Um, and then like motor control, right? Just making sure that the timing of when the nerves are communicating with the muscles and like the balance and the stability and, you know, one side versus the other, as, as long as all of that is on the same page that I think is really, really important to help with, you know, just overall health and, and function of the nervous system itself. So ironically, I, that actually happened to me. I mentioned I had um, hip issues. I was diagnosed with AVN two years ago. And then this last year, they actually did another MRI and I don't have AVN. I have something called transient osteoporosis hip, which was often misdiagnosed as AVN. But long story short, I was doing PT. I was very limited in my motion about a year ago. And one of the things I did was when I would squat, because that hip was um, a little bit more impinged, it just didn't have the range of motion, my squat would shift. And one of my hips would shift. And as my range of motion came back and I worked on it and some of the things, that motion stayed because I was scared, which is exactly what you said. And a couple months ago, I went to the PT and I was like, my hips are still shifting sometimes. And he was like, that is your brain pattern creating that mechanism. It's like anything, any thought we think, it starts as a stream. And if we continue to do it, that stream gets bigger and bigger. And then it turns into a river going that direction. And he's like, you can squat straight, but you have created that mechanism pattern from when your hip was more limited. And so I have to often think about it. And when I'm really tired, I will shift back into that incorrect pattern. And I just have to be really aware of it. And it's gotten better and better and better and better with time. But it takes time like for you to move out of that. So if you're in a situation where you are noticing these things that you're overcompensating, or you do have funny patterns, give yourself time and maybe get into a PT to make sure, you know, that you can do it correctly, or they can help give you cues. Because I know for me, there were some cues that he taught me that I still use when I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I can tell I'm shifting. I have to be really aware of it. So I love that you pointed out how strong the nervous system is because at that point, it wasn't my hip anymore. It was my brain doing it. Yep. It's so powerful. It's so fascinating. I love working with it, but it's also, it's a very impo- like impactful challenge for a lot of people. And you know, dep- it sounds like obviously you had a great PT, but it also just depends on the type of PT you're seeing, right? Yeah. Like what their clinical skills are or how much of the pain science world they've been into, but also how much time they have to work with you and to explain things to you in a way that makes sense to you. Because I think it's so important for the patient to understand what you're trying to educate them on. And so we have to do a good job as providers of speaking in their language or like tweaking the cues to fit what their body responds to or what they're receptive for so that it can actually click, stick, and, you know, continue on and and make that lasting difference that we need. And so I definitely think it's just 
not talked about enough, especially in the general population, but it makes such a huge impact in the longevity of just staying healthy and not even like if you if you have a future injury, like not letting yourself go back into the cycle of a a chronic injury or a fear avoidance pattern because yes. of you see people walking different after a knee surgery and then all of a sudden their other leg hurts and their exactly. other ankle, whatever else, because they're shifting because of an injury and it's really, really common. And so I love that you pointed that out, that you can't go back. And even with the stress, I feel like stress, first of all, it just murders your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it is like the the home of stress and trauma. It's like, oh, okay, everyone come to the pel- I know. pelvic floor. I know. So just being aware of those factors that it's not always physical, that sometimes it's our mental yes. connection we need, really need to think about. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting too with the um, the pelvic floor component um, and a little bit kind of back to the the com- the comment you made earlier about, you know, I have my hip PT, pelvic floor PT a little yes. different. I see so many clients, most of the people I work with honestly have tried either other orthopedic PT or pelvic floor PT. And so they'll come to me and they're like, you know, I don't really think it's my pelvic floor. My PT said it wasn't my pelvic floor, but you know, I I saw this thing you did, or I heard this thing you said. So I'm curious. And so if, if you've been dealing with a chronic injury, especially in the, the back, the hip, the pelvis, even like the knee area, and it's not improving with typical PT and you're, PT tries to clear your pelvic floor by asking if, you know, if you leak or if you have pain or if you've had a baby and you say, no, no, no. And they're like, okay, great. It's not your pelvic floor. That is so superficial. And that is so not doing your pelvic floor justice. So don't just take that as like, okay, it's not my pelvic floor. Like literally have a pelvic floor specialist. And sometimes I don't even have to like physically assess anybody. I just, the way I question or ask people certain things cues me into, yes, this is likely their pelvic floor involved in some capacity. So let's make sure what we're doing for the hip is helping both areas. I could see that. I could see that mistake being made a lot and people don't realize that that's the connection. So just because you check those boxes, just because you're like, oh, I don't have leakage and I don't have, you know, chronic lower back pain, or I didn't just have a baby, doesn't mean that it's not your pelvic floor if you're having low back pain or hip pain. It doesn't mean that at all. Yes, exactly. What is something that you feel like is also like a myth or something else that's misunderstood about chronic hip pain? Anything that you would want the everyday person to realize about it? Because it can be very discouraging. And as we've talked about, like there's no one answer. There's no one reason. It's not cut and dry where you can say, oh, it's this. So you do this one exercise and you're healed. It doesn't work that way. It is a journey. It is a journey. So what is something you'd want, you know, that person to know? Um, A journey is a great way to put it, especially if it's been chronic. But I want to just hopefully provide hope for people that there is so much opportunity to really better understand your body and to get to the point of fully healing and becoming pain-free. It starts with the mind. So if you believe that you can heal. If you believe there's a solution out there and maybe you just haven't found it yet, that is huge because that opens up mentally the option that, yeah, it is somewhere out there. I just need to find it. And I think, you know, hopefully with social media, the way it is, and even just like education being available to the general public easier now more than ever, I think it's awesome for people to get exposure to see different types of 
hip exercises or conversations on pelvic floor stuff or back stuff to, to give insight into how our body truly is all connected, not just musculoskeletally, but literally holistically, right? If somebody has had years of gut health issues or IBS, you better believe their pelvic floor is involved and you better believe there's inflammatory components that are affecting their hip. Yes. So we have to have those conversations. If somebody's not sleeping all night, well, you better believe your musculoskeletal system is not recovering the way we need it to. And so I think it's important to just um, keep an open mind, obviously, but keep looking for education and information for the full body. And don't feel like surgery is the end all be all because oftentimes so many, like I've had so many patients that were told by numerous doctors, they needed a hip replacement and they literally ran a marathon three months later. I'm one of those. I was told I needed a hip replacement and I don't, I don't. So I I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So there's the, the, the power of the human body is phenomenal. And it's really exciting for me just getting to work with it all. But I I just want to share hope with people that might be just struggling and frustrated with something that's so chronic. Like there is a provider out there. There is a solution for you. It just might not be, you know, the black and white option that you think would work based off of, you know, somebody that had a different experience down the road. So compare yourself to you, but don't quit on yourself and don't, you know, lower your standards or your expectations with what you want to be able to do. Just know that you know, we, I think pain and symptoms are a great way for our body to communicate with us and try to get us to understand the story it's trying to tell or the thing it's trying to show us. And we get to grow from that and we get to learn more about our body. And that is what empowers us from a longevity standpoint to just age well and be well and stay healthy and maintain the quality of life that we really want to. I love that. And and it gives people a chance to be like, just because you went to one PT and you were told something once doesn't mean you can't get online and find so many solid, solid accounts that you can scan videos and learn. I I get on accounts all the time and I learn so much from yours, from so many others where I'm like, oh, never thought of that, never thought of that, never thought of that. And no matter how much you think you know, no matter what your profession, non-profession, whatever, there's always a lot more to learn. And there's always a lot more options and choices. And sometimes it's so hard to be in your current situation and say, it's never going to get better. I'm stuck here. But you're only stuck if you stop. If you stop researching, if you stop trying, if you start giving up. That's the only way you're stuck is if you stop putting in the effort to figure out what's going on. And it can take time, especially with that complex hip. It is is rough. Yes. There's so so many moving parts. And of course, like, now we're on the other end. So we're like, oh, yes, of course, you know, glad I know all this information now. But it really, it can yes. feel like a struggle when you're in it, for sure. Totally. I mean, you and I both understand. And so I think it's just, it's it builds character, right? And so you have to just be the type of person that isn't going to settle and you know that you can be better. I will definitely be adding a bunch of your videos on some of the things we talked about in the show notes. And obviously, you're an expert in the app that's coming up, and you have a ton of educational videos there. But where else can we find you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. So Dr. Jessica PT is my handle. Um, if if people have questions, I mean, comment or send me messages. I try to answer them as best as I can. Um, she does a really good job of answering yes, them. I'll just say that. I really do because I think it's such a it's a cool way for, for one, for me to like give back and be able to help people that, you know, maybe didn't know what they didn't know, but also to just to like give a little bit of like guidance or support to get somebody moving in the right direction, right? It doesn't have to take a whole lot of, you know, energy. It's like, let me just guide you. Even, you know, if I'll be honest, if I feel like you need a provider to look at you, I will tell you, but 
I, I try to do a, a well-rounded job with my exercises to just like give people options. Um, and then my website too, there's some resources on my website. So pacept.com. Um, you can always send me emails too, if you have questions on anything, or if you feel like you need a more in-depth, you know, assessment or, um, consult just to like dive deeper into a specific injury. And she does have a pelvic floor freebie, yes. right? Yes, I, and she's working on a hip uh, one. Yes, so I can't keep wait your for eyes the hip one. Um, <laughs> yep, pelvic floor freebie is linked on my Instagram, and um, I also too like if you sign up for any of my like so if you sign up for the pelvic floor freebie and you get on my email list, I love sending out like weekly, sometimes a couple times a week, just some helpful health tips and, you know, nice, fun things that I get to explore. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on today. Yes. Thank you so much. It was a blast. I appreciate you. I hope so much that you learned something from this episode. And to be honest, we are just scratching the surface in this episode, but I'm hoping that you learn about some symptoms, some triggers, some things to be aware of, whether it's stiffness, whether it's a weak pelvic floor, a tight pelvic floor, whether it's what your nervous system is doing or overcompensation patterns with your mind, or even connecting some issues to our feet and the other mechanisms above and below that pain point injury. All of those things I think we can think about when we think of our own aches and pains and we might be able to find some better solutions that it's not just always about stretching, as Dr. Warnicke said, but it's also about strengthening and being aware because oftentimes a lot of our back pain isn't from a tight back. It's from a weak pelvic floor. It's from a weak core. It's from tight hamstrings, as we mentioned. So just being aware of what's happening above and below the muscle is going to make a huge difference. I will definitely be linking some of her videos and you will learn so much more from her in the app expert videos where she breaks down even more exercises. But in the meantime, definitely check out her page. It's super educational. And I hope here you got a little bit more information and you found a little bit of hope if you are experiencing any chronic pain in your pelvic floor or your hip. All right, that's it for today. I promise you are doing so much better than you think you are. And we'll chat next week.